All right. Well, thank you, Lindsay and team. That was great. And welcome, everybody. Really glad that you're here today. And if you would, go ahead and grab your message notes out of your program, and uh, you can follow along today and take some notes as we can really kick off the series officially today. If you have your Bible, you can open it to Deuteronomy chapter 6. Deuteronomy chapter 6. We're going to be hanging out there our entire time today and looking at several verses as we talk about forming family faith today as uh, we kick off this series on modern family life. Now, just right up front, just let you know that this series will be for every one of us. Some of you may think, oh, we're going to do a family series. This is not for me. My kids are gone or uh, way beyond that season of life or I never had children or some other you know, thing that you might be thinking right now. But I just want you to know this will be for all of us. I mean, everything we're going to talk about in this series uh, relates to each one of us as we're trying to build our home. Whether we're alone in a home or whether we have, you know, generations living with us, this series will relate to every one of us in some way, I think, and especially this one today, as we talk about forming family faith, it's really talking about forming my faith, forming individual faith, and then passing that faith on to our families. So in this series, we're just going to hear from God and what does God say to us about forming family life. And... Uh, you got to know, when I started uh, my research for this series several weeks ago, started looking at this whole thing about family and parenting, and uh, so I started doing a lot of reading and listening to you know, I, uh, podcasts and different things that people have out there. And in the process, what I realized is, wow, I really needed a refresher. You know, I would really, uh, in some areas in my parenting and you know, even in my uh, pursuit of the right kind of family life to have, I'd slipped. And there were some things I needed to be refreshed about. So maybe that'll be something that happens to you as well. So right up front, I just want you to know, everybody just needs to understand that I'm not an expert on family. I'm not an expert on parenting. Uh, I feel the same as the author who in writing, he was talking about this whole idea. He said this, he says, I used to be an expert on parenting. Then I had kids. <laughs> And so we find out that we're really not when we have, you know, it's easy to look into somebody else's family and think we can tell them what they ought to do, but then we have our own and there's every circumstance is different. You know, I, I just remember the day that we got Ryan, our son, our firstborn son. I never forget the day that we left the hospital and uh, as we were carrying him out, I had him in the car seat, you know, and Kim is coming along, and she's trying to, you know, get out to the car as well. She, it was a natural delivery, so she obviously was feeling uh, all the pains of the after effects of that natural delivery. So we go out, and as we're leaving the hospital, I just remember thinking to myself, you know, thinking out loud uh, to myself right there, I said, you're not going to let us actually leave with this thing, are you? <laughs> I mean, what are we supposed to do next? <laughs> Put it in the car, but I don't know. I have any idea what the next thing is that I have to do. I, said, I wanted to ask, do you have the, where's the owner's manual? Looking through the, the thing there and uh, looking for the owner's manual, but there isn't one. And what I discovered in my life and what I see in so many other people is that we learn to parent by parenting. We learn to parent by parenting and oftentimes what we do is our fallback is we parent like our parents parented us. And oftentimes we, you know, some of us may have rejected the way our parents parented us, and that caused us a lot of grief as we did that, or maybe they weren't very good parents. But what I've discovered is the older I get, the more I'm acting like my mom and my dad. And I was just like, I hate it. <laughs> oh, how did I get to be like my mom and dad? 
And uh, so we're not experts when we start. Uh, you know what? There isn't even a dress rehearsal. We don't even get to have a practice session at this. We're just supposed to know what to do when we take that kid home or those children home. So folks, because of that, it shouldn't surprise us that we mess up. It shouldn't surprise us that we don't get it all right. It shouldn't surprise us that we make mistakes. It shouldn't surprise us that we get confused sometimes as we're doing this thing called parenting or having a family. Family life is difficult, and sometimes we just blow it, and we blow it big. We just blow it big. And I know some of you, may can, you can understand that. You can even come to call to mind an incident where you blew it big at some time in your parenting or with your family in some way, and you regret that in some way. So what I want to do today is I just want to begin with a mass confession, okay? Several of you are ex-Catholics, so we'll just help that. You'll feel comfortable, like this is the place to be today. So we're going to do a mass confession today. So I'm going to ask everybody, raise your right arm. Raise your right hand. Everybody, raise your right arm right now and repeat after me. I've messed up. Let's do it again. I've messed up, okay? So that's the confession. We've all messed up in some way, okay? Every one of us has messed up in some way. And so what we want to do is we want to learn from our mistakes. We don't want to live the rest of our lives in bondage to guilt and regret, we want to learn from the mistakes and we want to go forward with the mistakes to make us actually be better. So they want to talk about something that I, you know, even Lindsay was talking about this and I hear this a lot and I've struggled with this personally and that is how to form a family faith. Now you would think this would be easier than it is, but when you know, when you really stop and you think about the results of having a family filled with faith and what that family filled with faith could possibly do in the kingdom and do for God's work and do as far as, you know, the happiness that family could have, you can understand why it's difficult because we have an enemy who doesn't want us to have that kind of peace. So we're going to look at Deuteronomy chapter 6 today and these verses that written in Deuteronomy, Moses is writing, and they're God's words through Moses to his family, his children, the nation of Israel. Now, the people of God, they're on their way to the promised land. You know, they took the, they, they're taking this journey, and it ended up being with some detours along the way and some side trips that they hadn't planned. Ended up being 40 years in length. They're going to enter this land. Moses is preparing them, you know, what they're going to need to know for the day when they do get to enter this land. They're going to enter a land that had a value system that was different from the value system that God was going to call them to live by that God was going to call them to live up to. They're going to enter a land that has a value system that's actually against God, actually anti-God and God's values and what God, how God would call them, call them to live. They're going to enter into this land that just has a basic different worldview than God expects his people to have. And so he's just going to want to let them know up front, they're going to be entering into this. Here's the worldview. Here's the value system that God wants you to have is what he's giving in chapter 6. And because they're going to live by God's value system, they're going to stand out. They're going to stand out. The people of the land would say, why do you do that? Why do you live the way that God wants you to do? You're so out of touch with the times. You're so out of touch with reality. They're going to be challenged to compromise. And as you know, if you read the Old Testament, they compromised many times because they gave in to the pressure of the challenge. They're going to be challenge to compromise and give in to the values of the land rather than live by the values given by God. 
So give in to the values of the land rather than live by the values given by God. So these verses are his instructions on how we can learn to stand strong in the face of values that go against what God, how God would want us to live. God expects us to live by a value system that's based on this book. He expects us to live by a value system that's based on the words of this book, not, and it's, I just can't imagine how confusing it would have been in their day if they had had public opinion polls. Not on public opinion polls, not on popular worldviews. So in order to be the people of God and to form family faith, as we're talking about, we have to adopt God's worldview and a, the worldview that's consistent with his word. And as far as I know, this word's been consistent since it was given. This word's not open to evolution of thought in any way. This word does not go through changes. This word does not evolve as we're enlightened to more truth or more understanding or because of popular opinion or because of public um, opinion polls. This word does not change. It does not evolve. So our thinking cannot evolve beyond this book. Our thinking cannot evolve beyond what this book has to say. So, okay, here we go. Deuteronomy chapter 6. We're just going to begin uh, right there at the front. I think verse 3 is where we're going to kick in and read this. I want to read it together, and then we're going to look at it. Listen closely, Israel, and be careful to obey. Then all will go well with you, and you will have many children in the land flowing with milk and honey, just as the Lord, the God of your ancestors, promised you. Listen, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone, and you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your strength. And you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands that I am giving you today. Repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you're at home and when you're on the road, when you're going to bed and when you're getting up. Tie them to your hands and wear them on your forehead as reminders. Write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. So we're going to look at these verses today. And what I want to do is I just want to keep it so simple because I think we overcomplicate this whole issue of family faith. So I'm going to keep it really simple today. I'm going to have two ideas that I want to share with you. But before I get to these principles, I want to give you the big idea. What is it we're going to look at today? What's the big idea of these verses that we're going to look at today? And I'm going to give you the first half and then the second half. Here's the first half. Parents have the toughest, parents have the highest influence with their children. Parents have the highest influence with their children. The primary influencer in the home is the parent, are the parents, primary influencers in the home. So just know, moms and dads, you know, we're charging you today. We're letting you know today that you are the primary influencer in your home for faith. Whether you're, you know, just starting out, whether you don't have children yet, you're still the primary influencer in your home. But when you do have children and you, when you do have grandchildren, you're the primary influencer of those that come into your home. And so God designed the family as the primary way that faith would be passed on to the next generation. So parents have the highest influence. And then secondly, but, it's a big one, but they need others in order to build a faith-filled home. We may have the highest responsibility and the highest influence, but we need others in order to have a faith-filled home. We can't do it alone. And so that's where I'm going to really end up today. We get to that point 
at the end of our time together. So let's talk about really how to influence, and that's the first two ideas we're going to look at. And the first one is this. Forming family faith involves modeling faith authentically. It involves modeling faith authentically. If faith is going to be formed in the home, it has to be modeled, but it has to be modeled authentically in order for it to be caught. So those verses that we just looked at, I'm going to look at four and six. Listen, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. And you, you might circle that, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your strength. And you must commit yourself wholeheartedly to these commands that I'm giving you today. So what this is saying is that in order for us to form a family faith, those who are modeling the faith in the family must be in alignment with God, must have at some point given themselves over to God and made God the Lord of their life, made God the one who would say all things, and that they are living for him and for him alone. It's a personal thing. We can only model, family, uh, only model faith when we have faith when we develop the faith of our own so that we have something now to pass on. We have something to model uh, for our children or model for those in our home. We can't pass on what we don't have. You just can't. So it's got to be, it starts with you determining that you are going to develop your faith and you're going to make God your God. And it's your, it's, it's all about, it's a personal thing, a personal relationship with you have. Uh, last week, I think Kim was talking about this and she said that, she gave reference to the verse in Mark 12 where Jesus gave the great commandment. He says, you must love the Lord your God with all your mind, soul, heart, and strength, which is what we just heard there. And then Jesus said the second commandment is that you must love others as you love yourself. And so the whole idea here is that you cannot pass on faith if you don't have faith to pass on. And so we have to learn and we have to have faith. It has to begin with you. So you have to develop your own faith if you're going to pass it on authentically. Now, turn your notes over on the back side. Look at what Paul says. Okay, he's talking about someone who has faith. He's talking about himself, and he's developed his own personal relationship with God. And then he's saying, I'm going to model for you faith. And he says this, Philippians 3, he says, pattern your lives after mine. Now, does that mean that Paul's perfect? No, he's not perfect. But he's saying, I am a person of faith, and pattern your life as I'm patterning my life, as the next verse says, Christ. He says, you should imitate me just as I imitate Christ. So your, what your family needs to see is your family needs to see that your faith is something that you take seriously. It's not some, a compartment. It's not something you add on. It's something that you are working on yourself. So they need to actually see you in process of working out your faith. So you just ask yourself this question, you know, just as you're you know, kind of asking yourself where you are today. Ask yourself, am I going to be a follower of Jesus Christ who continues to work on my faith? And if I am, then I'm going to continue to have something to model. So I have to continue to work through the process of developing faith. You don't have to be perfect to be a model. Paul definitely wasn't perfect when he was writing these words. You have to be perfect. Not everything has to be right in your life in order for you to have a positive influence in some way. Now, here's the deal, folks. Your family already has a front row seat into your life. Your family already sees your weaknesses. They're not surprised when you say that you blew it. In fact, they've probably been waiting for quite some time for you to admit it. 
when you get around to that place. So they know you're not perfect. So modeling faith authentically is not about being perfect. We're not calling us to perfection here. Some of us get all stuck and hung up here because we think we have to be further than we are before we actually have something that we can model. Modeling family faith is just simply about being, modeling faith is just simply about being honest. It's about being humble. And so you have to be humble enough to admit when you've blown it. I got to do this last night. I wish I didn't have that to say today. <laughs> uh, you know, I just get in the car and we're driving down the hill and I ask Ryan to drive and, you know, and I'm still not used to driving with a teenager. Uh, and uh, especially when I don't have the wheel behind my hands. And it felt like we were going way faster than we should have been going. And I made several comments about that. Uh, just, you know, right out, I just come from here and I was just, we were just trying to get, I was just really kind of wasn't thinking and I made several comments and he just, re, you know, he just pushed back like every teenager should do. He pushed back on me at that point and then I said, just stop the car and I'll drive. <laughs> and then I go, ah, oh, rats. <laughs> here I go again. I have to talk about this tomorrow. <laughs> So I, you know, asked for forgiveness, and we went on, and things were okay. But you have to be humble enough to do that, and that's modeling faith. You have to be humble enough to ask for forgiveness when you, you know, make those issues bigger than they really probably are when you didn't hit the mark. So don't cover up your mistakes. Don't pretend you don't have mistakes. Don't be defensive. That's the worst thing is when you're, you're defensive, you're, you're losing opportunity to model faith. Allow your mistakes to be moments of inspiration for you so that you can push on and let Christ work in your heart and you can show your family that you're letting you're still in progress you're still in process of letting Christ work on your heart if your faith isn't personal and you aren't one to continue to grow and work at it then I just want to say you're not going to have the kind of faith to show that God wants you to show what you're going to do is that if it's not personal you're going to maybe you know abdicate or come down to a lower denominator where Basically, faith is just something you put on, like for an hour on Sunday. I'm going to put on my faith for an hour on Sunday. So, so yesterday, I was here, and we had our run for the community, and they gave me the shirt because I was going to do the opening prayer and encourage everybody. And so I'm wearing this shirt around, and as I'm wearing the shirt around, everybody stopped me and said, Hey, Ron, are you running today? Because I have on the what? I have on the uniform. And so, you know, I just kept saying, nah, I'm not running. Made some excuse about still being under the influence of treatment. And I really, you know, this excuse is all it was. And, uh, and so that just kept going on. All, you know, the whole time I had this shirt on, everybody thought I was a what? A runner. Everybody thought I was going to run yesterday. And so then I go back to my office and I take off my shirt and I put it here and no longer does anyone think I'm going to be a runner. Well, that's what some of us do with our faith. We put it on and we put it on for a section of our life, a moment of our life, and then we go back and take it off. What I'm asking you to do is I'm asking you to wear your faith permanently and constantly so that everywhere you go, you have opportunities to talk about your faith. You have to talk about what God is doing, how he's working in your heart. So people, when you do that, they're looking at you and you have on that shirt, oh yeah, I'm coming to church today. They assume you have faith, but if you don't live it, they don't know it. You have to live your faith. It's important to your kids that they see you striving toward being like Christ. Not that you're going to be perfect, striving toward being like Christ. Now, they may be, your, your kids, you know, you think about this being about all about, you know, how much knowledge you have about the Bible. Your kids may be impressed for 
with what knowledge you have for a moment of the Bible, but they're going to be more impressed by watching you and seeing how much Bible you lived. Not by how much Bible you know, how much Bible that you actually lived. And that's what we're talking about here. So just to give you some thoughts. Modeling faith begins when you just let your family see you reading the Bible. Just let your family see you reading the Bible. You know, and my dad was not strong in modeling faith to us, but one thing he did with his limited third grade education, I would see my dad with his King James Bible, which I have no idea how he could even understand it, uh, his King James Bible reading it and trying to listen to God, and I'd see him doing that on, you know, pretty, you know, like once a week or something, and I thought, well, my dad has something going here, and my mom would read her Bible every day. And so what we try to do is we try to let our kids catch us reading the Bible and catch us doing that. Another way you can model that you have faith is when you come into circumstances and situations, your first response, try to get to the place where your first response, and this is really a lot of work, is to pray for that matter. So you see, you know, see, drive by, there's an accident in the road, or uh, you, that, uh, you see that somebody, hear that somebody's sick, or there's a need in the family, say you can't find your favorite coffee cup, you know, and you're like, I want this, and you think, well, I can ask God for that. It's okay to ask God for that. So let your family see that your first response is to pray and come before him. So you can do that. You can, all kinds of ways you can do this. When you feel grateful, talk about why you're grateful about what God's done for you. That's another way. When you feel, when, when God feels distant from you, just go ahead and be honest and talk to, let your kids know that there's times when God is distant. And you feel that and that it's okay to be in that place and you don't have to be afraid of it. It's not always, we're always up here, you know, people of strong faith, but there are times when you have doubts and times when God feels distant. It's okay to let your kids know when you're having those kinds of struggles. So the key, you want to write this down, the key is to show how faith intersects my life. To show how faith intersects my life. So you just want to know. You want to let them know how you're integrating your faith into your everyday life. And one way to do that is just to ask yourself, am I becoming the person I want my kids to become? Woo! Am I becoming the person I want my kids to become? If you want your kids to be generous, then you need to be what? Ah. If you want your kids to be honest, you need to be honest. If you want your kids to love God, then you need to let them see you loving God. If you want your kids to value life, then you need to value life. If you want your kids to be respectful, then you need to be respectful. If you want your kids to be compassionate, then you need to be compassionate. If you want them to be selfless, then you need to serve others. If you want them to make church a priority, then you need to what? Make church a priority. You need to show them by your actions what matters in life. So we model faith authentically. Second is this. We need to teach faith intentionally. We need to teach it intentionally. Deuteronomy 6 goes on and says, you must commit yourself wholeheartedly to these commands I'm giving you today. Repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you're at home and when you're on the road and when you're going to bed and when you're getting up. Tie them on your hands and wear them on your forehead as reminders. Write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. Now, I'm all stuck in this tattoo thing, and I think we're, he's talking about tattooing the Bible on yourself here. I think that's a really cool thing. You know, tattoo the Bible in verses, so when people see that, they see that you really love and you follow God. So Moses is making it clear here. Here's what he's saying. He's saying, it's not enough just to model faith. You have to talk about why you're acting the way you are. You have to talk about the biblical principles about why you're responding to life 
the way you are. You have to impress your faith on them. And actually in Hebrew culture, what has kind of that whole phrasing of what we're looking at right there says to, that you need to help them learn. You need to cause them to learn. You need to give them opportunities. And maybe you're the devil's advocate sometimes and asking them you know, to approach faith and questions of faith in ways that causes them to think in some way. So what, just so free you up, free you up right now. When we talk about teaching faith intentionally, I'm not talking about, I heard of one guy that does this, flip charts. He has daily Bible devotions with his children and he uses flip charts. Oh, I'd hate to be in that house. <laughs> but he does it. He thinks that that's the way, that's what the Bible's calling us to do, that you have intense Bible studies with 10-year-olds that are like, whoa, and making them sit there that it's all about theology. And I'm, what I'm saying today, it's not about being a theologian. It's to be about a practitioner that you talk to about how do I apply my faith in some way? So you don't have to be a theologian to teach your children about faith. Some of you are freed up right now. You don't have, you don't have to know a little bit more than the 10-year-old that's sitting with you or the 15-year-old or 16-year-old or 35-year-old or 44-year-old that you're with. Just a little bit more. Or maybe you don't have to know a little bit more. You just have to say, here's how I would apply what I know. And then they get to see how you would apply it. And they say, oh, I've never thought about that. I think I could do that too. And Moses is saying, here's how you do it. You talk about God's principles. And you repeat them over and over and over and over. Because as you do that, it's ingrained into your family. So here's the key. We need to take the information and then we need to show how faith intersects everyday life. Not just my life now, but everyday life. How faith intersects everyday life. Our faith is not a compartment, it's all of who we are. So how do we go about being intentional? Well, I just want to give you some thoughts. You can start by asking questions. That's one of the ways you can be intentional. You can ask questions uh, that lead into conversation. Instead of making statements, ask questions. Learn the art of asking questions in order to start faith conversations. You can do this when you're having dinner. Yeah, you can do this in the morning. You can do this when you're hanging out. Basically, what, that's what Moses was saying all the time. Look for ways to have faith conversations. Now, our family, uh, we've just decided that the evening meal is going to kind of be the time where we do this together. We do it all the time if we can, but especially at the evening meal— uh, we talk about the drama that maybe someone had at school. We talk about world events. We talk about what we experienced with God. And, and one of the questions that Kim asks all the time at the dinner table is, what was good about today? It's easy to talk about what was bad about today, right? But she asks us, what was good about today? And so then we have to recalibrate our thinking there to talk about what was, or what was, what are you grateful for? that happened today. And it just allows us then to talk about how God is working in a way that we can see good and there are things that we can be grateful for. Now, if you're like me, when you come to this whole question thing, I'm not very good at it. Uh, and so I'm going to give you some thoughts that might prime the pump, okay? I need help priming the pump at times. And so uh, you can, when you come to that time where you're wanting to have an official time where you're going to share your faith, you, you talk about something you learned that day. Well, here's that something I learned and here's how I saw God work. Uh, then you ask them, tell me something you learned today, and how did that go in your life? Uh, another way that you can uh, teach God's principles is to involve your family in serving opportunities. And then you 
on the back end, you say, how did it feel to be sacrificial today? What did we see God do? How did that make, how, were the, what were, how did the people respond when we served in that way that caused them to be drawn to us and maybe want to know why we're doing this? Another way is just to involve your family in activities like church. You know, just make sure that on a regular basis that your family is in a place like a church where they can hear God and experience God together, and you can go home and you can say, what our family does is we say, what'd you learn in junior high, what'd you learn in high school, and what'd you learn in big church? And so we kind of do that, and we kind of let that Sunday be our time. We process what we learned in church together. Now, uh, I just want to, you know, let you know that today uh, we will have about 325 to 350 birth through college kids on our campus, all here to learn today all here to experience God, here to be instructed about what God has to say. And I just want to say, well, that's a lot of kids, but I want to ask you, are you keeping your family schedule free so that you can be here on a regular basis and experience what God's calling and what God's doing in our place? So if you're going to form family faith, you have to be intentional. It's not going to happen by accident. You have to be intentional in your teaching and intentional in your faith, and you have to be intentional about leading them to church. You have to be intentional in your drive times, you have to be intentional in your meal times, in your bedtimes, in your family times, and you always have to be ready to be humble when you've made a mistake in some way. Now, what I want to do is I want to go back to that big idea, and I want to land this thing. The big idea. Parents have the highest influence with their children, but they need others in order to build a faith-filled home. Now, look, we're going to look back at starting with Deuteronomy 6.3. It says this, listen closely, Israel, circle Israel, and be careful to obey. Then all will go well with you, and you will have many children in the land flowing with milk and honey, just as the Lord, the God of your ancestors, promised you. Listen to Israel, circle that. He's writing to community here. He's not writing necessarily to individuals here. He's writing to a community. He's talking to the entire nation. And I just want to say to you today, if we're going to form a family faith, we are going to need a community. At the time that this book was written, there was a communal society. Several generations of families would live together, and they'd pass on traditions. They'd pass on teachings. They would pass on their understandings. They'd pass on their knowledge to the generations that are following. They'd live together and pass them on. And folks, I just say, we all need people who are going to come alongside of us and help us in our process of forming faith into our family. Because remember what I said, when we want to form faith, we're going to enter into a culture that's anti-God. And as we enter into a culture that's anti-God, the pull will be to sacrifice our faith to, give, to get along, to fit in. And so there's a pressures against us to do this. And if we're trying to do it individually, it's going to keep pushing us back and pushing us back. And we're going to get tired, especially single parents. We're going to get tired and we're going to find ourselves in a place where we're going to cave. And maybe there'll be a cave once, maybe a cave twice, three times, and then there'll be a point where we say, I'm just giving up. This is too hard. But if we do it with other people and we've linked arms together, we have other people to help hold us strong. Now, this is where the church is so important. I just want to kind of help us to understand that. So if you would, I'm going to ask if you grab this flyer out of your program. Grab this flyer out of your program. It says, jump in and make a splash this summer. And it's not just saying the summer. It's the summer and ongoing. Jump in and make a splash. But maybe the summer's a place for you to get a start. 
about 325 kids come here every week. We're going to have kids camps. We're going to have uh, opportunities, day camps. We're going to have all kinds of things that go on this summer to help kids experience God. And we need our community, this community, to come together to make this happen. We need us to step up, especially those of you who don't have children any longer. You have so much to pass on, so much that you can give. We need us to step up in some way this summer and engage so that our church can come alongside the families that are they're running with all their might and they're feeling low and they need someone to help them so that they can, can breathe again so I can carry this on because someone else is carrying this burden with me. So I want you to look at this. I want to ask you, if you would, be willing today to say, okay, for the summer, I'd be willing to come alongside the families of Twin Cities Church and get engaged in some way. So you look at this, you can write your name on here, make sure it's legible, it doesn't do any good if we can't read it. That's kind of like saying I really don't want to do it. Okay, so, but I was just, you know, hoping that God would know my heart. (laughs) He does. And so your phone number and your email, and then you say, okay, I'd like to work with under fifth grade and under, or I'd like to work with sixth grade and up. And who would you like to, how would you like to help in some way? And uh, we want to get you engaged this summer, and then hopefully you'd stay engaged long term, because we need, our church needs adults who will own their faith and let other people know that they have faith so that these kids and these students can see that faith is for real, no matter what culture says, no matter how hard it's pushing it back, no matter how much we say that we need to get rid of this book, that we've evolved beyond what this book says, so that people can see, our kids can see that God is a God of faith. And he's asked to do that. So I'm just going to ask you, take a chance. Take an opportunity and sign up in some way that you would get engaged and involved. And look at that last verse. It says this. So encourage each other and build each other up just as you're already doing. I hope that's what's happened in your life today. Let's pray together. Father, I come before you, and wow, do I understand the struggle of forming family faith. I don't know if there's more pressure on me because I'm a pastor or more internal pressure because of my perfectionism and you know, thinking I need to be further down the road than I am. And, uh, but I know everyone in the room struggles in some way. And so today, I, I just ask and pray that this service has been freeing and that it has allowed us to see that, wow, I can do this. I just have to model what I'm learning. I need to model that I'm pursuing God. And I don't have to model perfection. And then I just need to talk about what I'm learning. I need to talk about what is God is doing. And I need to draw analogies between what I'm learning and what co- what's happening in culture. I need to allow culture to be teaching moments instead of rejecting culture all the time to allow it to be a teaching moment. God, I just pray that you would help us. I pray that you would draw us together. I pray that you would encourage families. And God, I pray that you would encourage this church to engage fully in helping the families of our church and of this community to draw children to Christ and to you. Because I really think that uh, our culture is kind of hanging in the balance right now. And that you're looking for people who love you, who will stand up and live 
by your values. I pray that we would be that people. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.